Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we continue our series titled, Get Uncomfortable. Join us as lead pastor David Fossil begins today's lesson by asking a question and getting some interaction. We're in this series called Get Uncomfortable. (laughs) Serve the poor, stop injustice, change the world in Jesus' name. And we're going to start by asking a question. Here's the question. Let's put it up there now, Larry. What are Christians known for? Your coworkers, your classmates, your neighbors, or your family members that aren't Christians, what do they generally think about Christians? I'm going to give you 10 seconds. I want you to talk to the person next to you about this. Go. Okay, let's bring it back. Now, I want you to just yell it out. What are Christians known for? Help me out. Hypocrites. What did I hear over here? You can always count on Linda yelling at you during once in the service. Thank you, Linda. What else? Huh? Faith. Okay, good. Compassion. Helping, giving. Just yell it out. I can't hear you. Serving. Strange. Speak for yourself, Scott. Anyone, anything else? Grudge, did I hear? People with a grudge. You know, it's very interesting. We're hearing a little bit different. Um, Typically, every survey you look at, we have a good impression about ourselves. We kind of had a, you know, what we think of ourselves is different than what the world thinks of ourselves. Typically, every survey that is asked, what do you think of Christians? The top answers are always what we are against what we don't like, what we want other people to change in their behavior. That's what we are most known for. I heard a couple people yell out kind of mercy and serving and compassion. I'm just telling you, every survey that's out there, that's not what they think of us. They should think of us as a people that are most interested in the homeless and helping the needy, but they don't. They should think of us when people are sickly and, 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 and suffering from illness that we are the first ones to show up on the scene, but they don't. Typically, we are on the other spectrum. What you need to change about your behavior, what we're against about, that's typically what we are known for. That's what this series is all about. We're trying to reprogram uh, our thinking when it comes to, to what God has for us corporately as a church and what he expects of us individually. That's what this series is about. about. If you weren't with us last week, here's what we started by talking about. God loves the poor, God loves justice, and he expects us to be about his business. He expects us to take up his agenda. That's what we talked about last week. And fleshing that out and what that looks like. By the way, did you guys know that Thomas Jefferson came up with his own version of the Bible? If you look in any history book, they'll tell you. Thomas Jefferson came up with his own version of the Bible. You know what he did? He took a marker or pair of scissors literally, and cut out, got rid of all the verses in the gospel that had anything to do with miracles, prophecy, or the deity of Jesus Christ. He just took them right out. Thomas Jefferson did that. He actually had the gall to do that, to come up with what he thought was right and wrong. And people hammered him for it. Do you know what we're being hammered for, the North American Christians? We are being hammered for essentially doing the exact same thing, but with a different kind of verse. We've essentially lived our lives, and we are operating organizationally in North America as a church 
pretending like all those verses in the gospel about the needy and about the sick and about the widows and about the orphans and about the poor aren't there. That's how we live. That's how we exist as a church in North America. Rick Warren, who I greatly respect as a pastor, have influenced the church around the world, has said this. I found there were actually 2,000 plus verses on the poor in the Bible. How did I miss that? I went to Bible college, two seminaries, I got a doctorate. How did I miss God's compassion for the poor? I was not seeing all the purposes of God. The church is the body of Christ. But the hands and the feet have been amputated and we're just a big mouth, known more for what we're against. Wow. So I started thinking, well, if we're just a big mouth, why aren't we at least talking about it? Why aren't we talking about poverty? Why aren't we talking about justice? And then I came across this other um, quote, and maybe he kind of answers why. Todd Phillips says, the cynical side of me thinks that social justice is not preached because people who are poor and oppressed can't do the two things that most preachers want everyone to do, attend their churches and give to their causes. Oof. This series is called Get Uncomfortable for a reason. Because the way we are living and existing as the church in North America and as individuals is not matching up with what the gospel says in this area. My entire goal for this week and for this four-week series is that we would get a little uncomfortable or a lot uncomfortable and we would begin to live and operate according to what God says about this issue. My goals in this series, very simply, is that you would understand what is happening in the world and understand what God expects of you, that you would participate in some of the compassion projects and that you would give to one of those. That's our goals. Now, to do that, we are going to start this morning in John chapter 4. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4, page 752. John chapter 4, page 752. I am not going to put the verses on the screen, so just stay with me. We are going to talk about this, the woman at the well. John chapter 4. Starting in verse 4, here's what we read. Now he, referring to Jesus, had to go through Samaria. One of the interesting things, this should draw a red flag right off the bat, because Jews did not like Samaritans. And if you wanted to go to, 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 uh, to travel, you would typically go around Samaria. We don't like the Samaritans. But not Jesus, he's going right through the middle of Samaria. And then it says, verse 5, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, uh, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It's kind of interesting. It says, Then a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Very strange. Very strange. Why? Because it's the sixth hour. The sixth hour is 12 o'clock noon. And still to this day, if you're drawing water from a well in that part of the world, you're going to either do it early in the morning or late in the afternoon because the absolute worst time to do it and the most difficult time to do it is when it's hottest at 12 noon. But for some reason, maybe she came in the morning, she had three buckets of water and she took them home and her toddlers knocked the water over and she's having to go back at noon to get some more water. So when she's there, Jesus sees her and in the middle of verse 17, he says, will you give me a drink? Verse 8, in parenthesis, notice, John just kind of want to adds it for completion. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, this is not some insightful exegesis or uh, uh, incredible wisdom about this passage. Let me just point out three very obvious things about Jesus in this story. One, he's tired. I mean, it says that literally in verse 6. 
He's tired because of his journey. Two, he's thirsty. He asks her for a glass of water. And three, he's hungry. Verse eight, the disciples have gone into town. They're looking for Kentucky Fried or Subway sandwiches, something to come back. They're hungry. Jesus is tired. Jesus is thirsty. Jesus is hungry. So is the rest of the world. So is the rest of the world. To this day, right now, the greatest necessities in the world right now are food and water. They are the basic, most needed necessities in the world still to this day. Last week, I shared with you a couple statistics. Let me mention them to you again. The United States of America, we spend $1 billion a day eating out. Every year, we throw away 41 billion pounds worth of food, and yet 799 million people go to bed every single night hungry. During the first service, 1,300 people died around the world because they drank contaminated water. During this service, another 1,300 people will die because they drink contaminated water. And during the third service, the same thing will happen. Now, I do not say those statistics last week or this week to make you feel guilty. That's the last thing I want you to feel. I want you to instead feel two things. One, I want you to feel blessed. I want you to feel blessed that you have been born and are living in the most fruitful, wealthy nation ever in the history of the world. That's the United States of America. Even at this point, people want to come here and live here. But second of all, I want you to feel privileged that you have some goods to maybe do something about this problem around the world. That's my challenge for us. We have some resources available to make a difference. This morning is going to be a little bit different as I'm not going to talk as much and I have two or three videos that I want to show you. And this first one is on the topic of clean water. Um, there are two videos spliced together. We've done, uh, tried to make it look clean, but the first portion talks to you about the problem and the second video talks to you about an organization called World Vision that is doing a tremendous, tremendous job trying to provide well, clean water for people around the world. Let's watch it, and then we'll come back and talk. Okay, let's talk some application. That's going to be most of this this morning. Okay, it, by the way, wasn't that amazing, some of those statistics? That in some countries, what they use an entire day is what we flush every single time that we flush. Entire day, that's what they use. The other thing that I was amazed at, the more I studied it and looked at it, is how clean water can absolutely transform an entire village. I mean, everything about the village changes, economically, health-wise, health everything changes. Um, one, one of the things that, that you may not know of is that we, many organizations do what World Vision does. Last year, this year, we partnered with an organization called Wells for Life. It's actually on one, of the, uh, one of the ones listed on your little yellow sheet that we want to encourage you to support. Um, and, and they build all kinds of different wells. They build wells as expensive as ten dollars to $15,000, you know, big wells for the entire town and, you know, with tanks. And then they build smaller wells about a grand and up, okay? Well, what we did as a congregation is we took a portion of the offering that we all give every day, every week, and we built a well in India. And they sent us this picture of when they, when they dedicated it. You see all the people there with the pots and everything, and they're all getting ready. And Most people, women and children normally, walk between two and three miles to get water and then walk back. That's what they have to normally do to get water. Okay, but one, one of the things that's very interesting is they sent us this picture, and then they sent us a zoomed-in picture on the plaque. Wells for Life, working with partnerships, so on and so forth, dropped down to the bottom. bottom. Sponsored by Bay Hills Community Church, El Sobrani, California. That's us. 
I want you to turn to the person next to you, give them a high five and say, good job. Do it right now. I thought that's pretty cool. That's us. We did that, right? And then I started thinking. I saw these pictures, and then I started thinking about this series. I came up with a crazy idea, and I thought, why don't we build another one? Why don't we build another one for Christmas, okay? So I came up with this idea. You guys come in. Did you guys see the, the table of bottled water in the front, the two tables of bottled water right here? Here's what I want to do. It's going to cost about $1,000 to build one well, okay? This one cost a little bit more, I think, but about $1,000. Here's what I'd like to do. We have bottled water back there, and here's what I'd like to do. I'd like you to buy, I'd like to sell you a bottle of water for $10, which when you think about it is not that much more than you would spend at a Giants game, okay? <laughs> right? If we sell 100 bottles, that happens. And you know what? It's really not about Bay Hills getting their name out. You know what Wells for Life does is they do this for the community and then they figure out a way to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. It's about both of those things. So when you live here, I want you, I want you to buy a, a, some bottled water. You know, now one of the things that we're doing to make it even greater benefit to you is the elders and I, uh, we prayed over this bottled water. Okay, so when you drink this water, you will look ten years younger. So I just, uh, <laughs> yep. Some of you may want to get two bottles, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, the TV preacher in me is coming out. I'm sorry. Okay, let's be honest. This water is not going to make you look ten years younger, but you know what it'll do? it might help someone live 10 years longer. This series has been hard for me to study because I have so much garbage that I'm looking at. And, and one of the stats that really bothered me is um, every 15 seconds, a child dies around the world because they drank contaminated water. Every 15 seconds. So I guess what I'm saying is he needs your 10 bucks. We need to build another well. So let's make that happen. What are we going to do about food and what do we, how do we do that? Just uh, let me give you a couple real quick practical things. You saw the bins on the way in from the rescue mission. Uh, especially during this time of year, if you want to bring some food, stick it in there and they'll get it. Another thing that we're doing, did you guys see, just pull the sheet that you sat on. It's called the Treasury Box. This is an organization we are starting to work with. It's pretty neat because they work with massive manufacturing companies that produce food. And here's what they do. They give about 100 to $120 worth of food for 30 bucks. For 30 bucks. Now, I'm telling you, this is for you. If you are going through a tough time right now, go out to the table and order some. And all you got to do is you pay 30 bucks, you pick it up at Bay Hills every month. For some of us who maybe don't need it as much, you could still get it. Or you can buy a box for a friend. Or you could just give them this flyer and say, here. Okay, so this is another thing that we're doing, okay? There's not a lot that we could do, but this is another thing we're doing. And let me give you one last, and I think this is something that I want you to start applying in probably, oh, about two, three hours. If, if, I hope, just before you have a meal, that you pray for your food. You should. You should be appreciative to God and do that. But let me ask you a question. Some of us, we've been, we've been Christians for so long and three meals a day, we kind of pray for our food. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever pray one of those prayers, kind of like, dear God, thank you for this rub-a-dub-grub, in Jesus' name, amen? Do you ever do fast prayers just before your meal? Dear God, I'm hungry, amen. And everybody laughs. Oh. I have. Now, you know what? I think God, there's nothing wrong with fast prayers. 
just a long, eloquent, Heavenly Father, God prayer. Does, you don't need that. I'm, I'm most interested in our attitude. Could I encourage you at lunchtime and at dinner time and every meal from now on, when you pray, whether it's a fast prayer or a little bit longer prayer, mean it. Dear God, thank you. Whether it's a steak or a peanut butter jelly sandwich that you've given me some food. I think that's a pretty big application that every single one of us can do and apply. Food and water are the greatest single necessities and needs in the world today. Let's keep reading verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are, the, are, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't go thirsty. And have, a, a, and have to keep coming to draw water. Now, you know the story. And they're talk, she's talking about physical water, actual water. He's talking about spiritual water that nourishes your soul. And so they get into this discussion, talking about that, about how God can nourish your soul. Let's skip down. Let's fast forward. Look at verse 27. Just then, the disciples returned. Right? They found some Little Caesars pizzas. Here they come. We're going to feed everybody. They returned. And notice, they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or want? Why are you talking with a woman? Don't skip over that too quickly. One of the lessons that certainly the disciples got out of this story is very simply this. Women are valuable as individuals and people. They are not commodities. Now, in our country, politically and socially, we have made massive advancements, but in that society and culture, and in many cultures around the world right now, that is not a lesson they have learned yet. Just let me, a quick side note. Every single country that treats women poorly, I mean, really horribly, it is those countries that Christianity has made the less inroads. Think about it. Every country where women are downtrodden, I mean, bad. It's those countries that Christ and Christianity have made the least difference. What's my point? Here's my point. Spiritual transformation does lead to social transformation. Jesus Christ makes a difference not only eternally, but it makes a difference practically. Now, why am I spending some time on this and talking to you about this? Here's very simply why. Because today, water and food may be the greatest necessities, but women and children are the ones with the greatest needs around the world. Without a doubt, Women and children. Let me very, very quickly give you some statistics. Let's put the first one up there. Let's talk about children. There are 400, 246 million child slave laborers around the world. What are child slave laborers? They're the ones that make my tennis shoes and my jeans and our coffee. We're going to talk about fair trade in a couple weeks. But they, they are referred to as child slave laborers because they cannot leave. They're not allowed to leave. They are literally would be considered slaves. Now, of those 246 million, 2 million are sexual slaves. These are normally underage girls that are forced to work at brothels. Please don't miss next week. 
We're going to talk more about that. Don't miss next week. You need to be here. Let's put the next statistic up there. 28% of children in developing countries are severely underweight. 40% of pets in America are overweight. That's not good. That's not good. Let's put the next one up there. There are 2.2 billion children in the world. One billion of them live in extreme poverty. I mean, extreme poverty. There's no going to, you know, Sally's birthday party and jumping on the jumper for a couple hours. They're not going to get an iPod for Christmas. Most of those one billion kids don't have shoes. That's the reality. Let me give you some statistics with women. Let's put the first one up there. 70% of the world's poorest are women. Now, one of the reasons for this, and one of the reasons you break out of poverty, is by getting a job. The problem is, many of them can't get jobs because they aren't educated. And many of them can't get educated because this next statistic, let's put it up there. Two-thirds of those who cannot read or write are women. If you can't read or write, you can't get educated. If you can't get educated, it's tough to get a job that gives you some benefit. Water and food are the greatest necessities. Children and women are the ones with the greatest needs. There are some very incredibly practical ministries that are doing some very creative things to help women. One of the ones that we're encouraging you to partner with and think about is an organization called Raven and Lily. I want you to watch their video, and then we'll come back and talk. This is one, not one of those tearjerker videos. This is just a really practical one. This organization helps them with microenterprise and business principles. They you know, have them build their jewelry, and, and then they send it to the West, and we can enjoy it. We can buy it. In fact, there's, a, there's a, one of the party shows going on in Berkeley in a, two, three weeks. It's in your program. You can check it out. You can support them in many different ways. I'm actually, you know, guys, can, it's a great time of year to buy jewelry. You know, I'm going to buy a couple bracelets for my girls, buy a necklace for my wife, buy some earrings for our pastor, Joy. So just whatever you want to do, you know, to help them, <laughs> to help them out. Um, one other thing that I want to share with you in terms of what we're going to do. Let me show you what's going on here. And uh, grab the sheet that says caregiver kits. Um, World Vision produces these caregiver kits. Now, this is a kit that is fooled with about $120 to $130 worth of caregiving product. You see all the product listed there on the right. And what they do is they give this product, okay, um, plus um, refills, two refills to about 70,000 caregivers in Africa. And these caregivers go to different villages where there are no doctors and everything. Their primary people that they are helping is women with AIDS. This right here, building this and paying for these is going to be our Thanksgiving project, Thanksgiving offering. We always do this. So on this Wednesday, this is going to be our offering. We're going to, whatever we get, divide it by 28. We're going to get the product. And then one of the Compassion Projects, mid-December, is all, you know, a bunch of us get together and put these together. Now, you can't do all of these, but I want to give you as much opportunity as I can to make a difference. Why? Because women and children are the ones with the greatest needs, and we need to do whatever we can to help in this area. Last couple verses I want to read with you, and then we're going to wrap it up. Verse 28. 
Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be a Christ? Now, I just want you to notice, look in your Bibles at verse 39 and the title there. Do you see it? Look at it in your Bibles. You see what it says? Many Samaritans believe. Why? Because she did what Jesus wanted her to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to Jesus. I'm just going to go tell people the difference he's made in my life. So he starts talking to her, and then he starts talking to the disciples, and we pick up the story in verse 34, and here's what we read. My food, said Jesus, uh, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish God's work. Question. Don't answer out loud. Just think about it in your head. What is God's will? Not for your life. What is God's will for the world? What does he want? Don't answer. Just think. What he wants is to reconnect fallen mankind with their creator. Sin made us separate from God. His will is that we would reconnect with him. What's his plan? How does he make it happen? He makes it happen through the person of Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, rose from the dead, proven he was who he said he was. And if you embrace that, you get to reconnect with him. Now, that's his will. That's his plan, but we're missing one bit. What's his strategy? His strategy is you. It's never changed. Since Jesus left the earth and he established his church until this very day, his strategy has never changed. It's you. It's me. We read this verse over and over and over again. I want to point one new thing out to you. Let's put it up there. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And normally what pastors like myself do is we explain it to you, and we help you understand that Jerusalem is El Sobrani, and Judea is California, and Samaria is North America, and the ends of the earth, well, that's the end of the earth. And that's what we're supposed to do. You know, let's just throw money at these missionaries and have them go do their thing. One small problem. You will be my witnesses. Now, one of the things that you need to understand is that this is a statement of fact, not a statement of desire. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that Jesus is saying, well, you might consider being my witnesses. You, you, you should, you, 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 he's not making a suggestion that you would consider doing it, that you might do it, that you could do it, that you, maybe you should do it. No, no, no. This is a matter of fact, which means this. The minute you leave this room and you go back to school tomorrow morning and you go back to the shop or you go back to the office building or you go back to your family and neighborhood, you are his witness. The issue is not am I or uh, am I not. The issue is you are. The issue is whether I'm negative or positive, good or bad. You are witnessing to God, about God to other people tomorrow and about Jesus Christ, his son. What you say what you do, who you are, or what you don't say and what you don't do will tell other people and reflect who the God you claim to worship really is. See, here's the bottom line when it comes to this, and I'm going to keep hammering this home for the next two weeks, and you can either not come to church or you can listen to it and take it to heart. Our witness is at stake. Our witness and the reputation of the God we serve is at stake in what we do with his agenda. He cares about the needy. He cares about the sick. He cares about the poor. 
and he expects us to be about his business. Now, how we do that may be a little bit different for each and every one of us. For the next four to five minutes, I want you to reflect on maybe if your thinking has been a little bit off. I want you to think if maybe your heart has been a little bit off. I want you to think about whether your checkbook has been a little bit off. I'm going to wrap this up, and I'm going to have you watch um, a short video by a guy called uh, Rich Stearns. He is the director and president of World Vision. He was a high-powered CEO. I mean, one of those guys that, you know, gets the two, three million dollar bonus every year. I mean, he was one of those guys. He gave it up, moved from the East Coast, and became president of World Vision and is now in Seattle, okay? And I want you to listen to what he says. If it stings a little bit, it's probably doing exactly what it needs to do. And then the band's going to come up. And they're going to sing a song. And again, think, do I need to change my thinking? Do I need to change my feeling? Do I need to change my checkbook? Then I'll come back up and we'll pray. Let's watch this. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as the uh, leader of this congregation and the pastor of this church, I can confess on behalf of all of us that we have not lived according to your expectations in this area. I pray that you would forgive us for our insensitivity, for our selfishness, and Father, that um, from this day forward that our heart would break for the things that breaks your heart. Father, I pray that you would not just give us eyes for ourselves, but that you would give us eyes for this world. I pray that you would give us an eternal perspective of the wealth that you've given us. And that we would not focus short term on retirement, but we would focus long term on eternity. And realize that we are actually being wise stewards if we give to your causes and your needs and your desires. Father, I pray that your priorities would become our priorities. Father, I pray that your agenda would become our agenda. Father, that your heartbeat, your heartbeat for those that are sick and those that are poor, those that will go to bed tonight hungry, those that tomorrow morning will get up and drink water that will eventually make them sick, that that is what we would be about. Father, thank you for what you've taught us today. Dear Heavenly Father, teach us to be balanced in our lives. Teach us to thoroughly enjoy this Thanksgiving meal we're going to have on Thursday. And to not feel guilty because we have nice clothes and we have a nice home. Thank you for blessing us. But at the same time, Father, may we balance how we live our lives and not just make it all about us, but make it about those that you care about, others that need, just even if it's a portion of our wealth and what we have as resources.
Teach us that this morning, Father, we pray, not only in our minds, but in our hearts and our pocketbooks as well. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.